0: what does it mean to manufacture a stronger standard? At Geest, it means to solve challenges and help manufacturers achieve more through our people, our technology, and our belief that anything is possible. This is Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, a podcast by Geest. Hello and welcome to Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, a podcast by DeGeist. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the program. Now, this is the second part in a series where we're focusing on the impact of regulations for manufacturers. And today we're talking about regulations as they relate to robotics. And uh, as always, I'm joined by the president of DeGeist Corporation and Lesta USA, Derek DeGeist. Derek, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Tyler. Well, I'm excited to dive into part two of our series here, Derek. And today we're focusing on robotics. So Derek, you guys went through a, a long process uh, to bring robots into your facility. Kind of talk me through that process and what all went into it and some of the things that you experienced and just give us the background of the story.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Tyler. Thank you. I think that the interesting thing for us is it, it it was a totally unexpected journey. You know, we went from a focus of bringing a solving robot, a new robotic technology, uh to our facility and to introduce that to the rest of north america to really seeing what that that was just the tip of the iceberg we thought that was the iceberg but it was just the beginning of what was really needed to be able to understand how to successfully help our company and others to be able to put self-learning robot into a classroom div one environment um, in north america and how different it is from the rest of the world. We've done robotic systems, uh, we put them in, we've done our software development, we built our own uh, welding systems before. We really thought we knew what was what we needed to be able to do this. And so it was it was very interesting Then, as we put this system together, we brought it in, we were using uh, all of our longtime vendors that have been with us, of uh, very, very skilled, knowledgeable uh, companies that work in the general industry, but we threw the curveball in there. We put a new robotic technology in there and using it in uh in a general industry application and setup that is a little bit different. Um and that created uh ended up creating a system that when we went to go get it turned on, uh that it was our state electrical inspector red tagged our host system, a multi-million dollar system that that was not allowed to put juice to and uh and we had there was no one that was that could help us give us a path for ever turning it back on so mm. it ended up being kind of a trial by fire we had to really dig in and learn and find out how to adapt to what north america needs and the changing regulations that were happening in north america right now so um, now kind of fast forward i'd say three years later uh, from when this this began we now have uh, I'd say probably the largest contract job shop, robotic, self-learning robotic painting system in, in North America. And we also are the owners of a one of the most complex robotic NRTL product listings. I think that probably is out there. And we also, our DeGeest uh, De Corporation is also that NRTL-approved manufacturer, integrator, and distributor of our self-learning robots as well. Um, we, we even helped our state electrical commission create new electrical code to protect uh, general industry manufacturers like ourselves to make sure that this doesn't happen to anyone else, which happened to us, and to give them a clear path to certify their equipment and machinery uh, in their facilities. So kind of our hope with this series in general is that we wanted to share some of the things we learned along the way. And during the certification process, even from starting up our system, and now as we build and install and design class one div one robotic systems across North America for our customers.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, at, at Fabtech 2019, I, I, I met you guys and we you, you showed me the self-learning robot and I actually got to do it myself. And that was really interesting and really cool to see. But there are different robotic types, right? And robotic construction matters, especially for a class one, div one environment. So kind of break that down for me and, and tell me a little bit more about the differences in, in robotic types and why that's important to consider when we're having this conversation.
1: Yeah, this was kind of interesting to me. I thought as we had we done robots, I've seen robots around, I was naive into what the different types were until you're looking at something for yourself. You don't really know all the the, the nuances that are with them. And, and it wasn't nuances. It was stark differences. When for a class one, did one environment, that's a hazardous environment where it could be explosive gases could be able to be built up in a painting and powder coat environment. Those are your class one, one environments. Something you're spraying that could be flammable, all paint. Distributors, integrators, and companies are aware of this. All of your booths and the ovens and everything in that is, are built that way now, but, um, to OSHA standards. But with the robot specifically, there, there are different types, there's industrial robots, collaborative robots where you can be around and self-learning robots is the new technology that we brought to North America. And not all uh, robotic types or companies um, even build class one div one robots because the construction of them is completely different from, from the ground up. So they have to be built to be able to control and protect all, pressurize all systems to make sure that there's no flammable gases, no electrical spark, no wires could ever rub together and create some kind of explosion or a dangerous environment so there there are very large uh industrial robot uh companies that don't even make a class one to one robot they don't even get into it it's a small market for them um and so that some don't even do it um and others that do they are built a lot different some of them look like tanks they're huge because they gotta pressurize and protect all the motors and all the electrical Mm -hmm and then now there's the self learning robots which they're built completely different from the ground up for to be able to disengage their motors and create a weightless learning mode for them to be able to train and teach the robot how to paint or or powder coat um in real time as the uh, as they paint or powder coat the part so different types of robots but there's also this, the type and how they are used are completely different. And it creates a, a lot of different things that inside of that construction as well.
0: So as we talk about this, Derek, I, I think it's also probably worth pointing out then that uh, as robots have become uh, a larger and larger part of facilities and as we've seen them continue to grow in their accessibility and so you're, you're seeing them in more facilities and there's more interest in utilizing robotics in more processes throughout uh, throughout facilities that uh, certification has had to grow along with that and so tell me a little bit about the certification requirements for robots and how it looks um, and why it is different than maybe other equipment that you might have in a manufacturing facility.
1: I found that interesting as we got into it I've did a lot of traveling over in Europe, um, working on some of our uh, robotic welding systems and to be able to bring those over. And then I was started working with Lesta and I toured many different countries, seeing a lot of different ways that people are using the self-learning robot and seeing how, how these systems are put together and where they're being used. And so as we look to bring our self-learning robot to North America... What I found out is that it's kind of like uh, the Imperial versus the metric system. Like we have our own thing. And so the rest of the world operates on an ATEX certification that's predominantly the Class 1 Div 1 safety standard for machinery robots um, in uh, a Class 1 Div 1 environment. Um, an ATEX certification just like the the metric world is everywhere, and except North America, North America we have our own set of rules, completely different. Throw it out, an ATEC certification does not even come close to complying with an NRTL standards, which are which are based off of what uh, OSHA regulates that we have to adhere by. And Canada even has a slightly different certification than than the U.S. I was kind of shocked um, a little bit, and um, it was very interesting. I just didn't know that that was the case, and so as we look. At getting our robot certified. Uh, We worked with uh, ETL, one of the largest NRTL groups, at, at getting our ATEX robot, which is deemed safe for the entire rest of the world except North America. And what we had to do to be able to, to pass took a year. Uh, we, it looked like uh, the Ghostbusters with some of the equipment that they brought. They had big <laughs> big machines and got headphones and big bubble radioactive things looking at shooting at our, our robot. And we had to open it up and plug in all these extra motors and open up cables and they're trying to, to make sure that surge it with power to see if they could blow it up. And it was wild. Uh, this, the different uh, to pass all of our... All of the the certifications that that uh, OSHA and NRTL is looking for to get a product listing, we had to drastically change the construction and then how we manage our electricity. Um, and our compressed air to be able to pass an NRTL certification. So I think that the certification process for North America, as I said in the other podcast series, uh, the first of the podcast series, is very important to me that you have your NRTL certification. You need to see what that certification is, and that's something that that's like number one, you need to make sure you have because if you don't, it's not something that can just be switched. There isn't like a come wave a magic wand and put a sticker on it and pay to play that it's gonna change. So I used to kind of th- thought that way, well, you pay to play if you pay the guy to come and be able to put a sticker on it, that uh, you'll do it. But that wasn't the case uh, for our ATEX version of our robot. We had to do quite a bit to be able to get it to and be able to be ready for the North American market.
0: That's really interesting. Now, hopefully, the, the people that came in and uh, did the testing were more qualified than Bill Murray or, uh, you know, or, <laughs> or one of the other Ghostbusters, uh, but... Just don't cross the streams and talk about the <laughs> Twinkie. <That's, laughs> um, so, so Derek, talk to me about other safety regulations to consider for robots and the type of safety concerns for Class 1 Div 1 robots specifically. So, what are the concerns that are out there and the things that should be taken into account and considered when bringing robots? robots into a facility and also as it relates to regulations in this area, right?
1: This also was very interesting to me because I thought this would be one of the strengths as we partnered with Lesta in Italy to leverage their experience. They've been doing robotic systems for some of them 25-30 years and working with the self-learning robotic technology. So as we were using proven solutions over in Europe and bringing them to the North America, we found that quite a few of the solutions had to be adapted quite a bit to be able to work for the North America market because hmm. the safety regulations are totally different. Just like the ATEX certification. In fact, I'm pretty jealous as I go over go overseas and see um, what manufacturers are allowed to do. There's there's still this uh, this kind of the, the dawn of common sense, you know, that people still operate with under where if that robot if it's moving, it could hit you. You probably shouldn't walk where it could slam into you that that would hurt Uh, don't do that uh over here we have to build systems so that you can't hurt yourself if you want to so we have to build our robotic systems in north america so someone can't purposely hurt themselves on purpose like we have to do a risk assessment and when we build our systems we have to make it so someone would came at a running sprint and launched themselves to throw themselves in front of a robot that it would stop before they could get there which seems ludicrous to me but in our the, the great country, we, I, it does really feel that we are kind of run by uh, insurance companies and lawyers. So we have to protect ourselves. Everyone kind of creates layers to protect their own butt. Um, so is this is what it is. So we had to play by the game. Uh, so uh, so that was very interesting. So we have, have really uh, come a long way very quickly. I mean, we, we knew that from just seeing overseas as well. I mean, we built uh, and helped integrate and put together our robotic welding system. So just taking that general knowledge of what we have there. We're like, how can we just walk inside of here and be like one foot away from this watching it paint? A lot of the systems, the safety fencing, uh, really changed. So we really dug in and, and before we started designing and installing systems for our customers, we, we did a lot of training. Uh, we learned how to do risk assessments for all of our systems, how to build a build class one, div one, reach study analysis to make sure it adheres to all of our OSHA regulations. And then, you know, we're looking at the companies just to make sure that we do an assessment and to, to make sure that everything's going to work with work with OSHA. Because if we make sure that no one has to ever come back, has to be changed. Um, there, there's actually entire companies that their whole business model, all they do is go through and assess and fix systems that were put together incorrectly. And now as we talk in a painting environment, that becomes a big deal because we have got large capital pieces of equipment that are pretty immovable. Once you put an entire system with conveyors and bolt down ovens and have big, big, uh, motors and, and uh, dust and vents and fans and, uh, just the HVAC and electrical alone isn't something you want to have to go move three feet so that it would, so you'll be able to turn it back on again. Mm-hmm. Those are all important things to check and to make sure that as you look at an integrator or that the people that you're 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 looking at buying a robotic system or robot from, make sure that check the experience, make sure the qualifications, make sure that they have standards that they're adhering to, and really find out what those are.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Derek, what would you say, kind of, in-, in conclusion? And what would you say to people uh, that are going to walk through this process or currently going through this process? Uh, do you have a-, a story that you could share, or just um, or advice, or what you know? What would you give them in order to help them understand? Here's how we walk through this uh, this scenario, and here's how you can do the same thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I bring up kind of some of these topics in here, and I try to put myself on the other side of listening to this. In my just three years ago. And I would think, oh my Lord, this thing is, this is insurmountable. This is no way. This is too much. This isn't for me. My, my company can't have this. We're not big enough to be talking about this stuff. Um, and, and I want to say that that's not true at all. I mean, that Our team is passionately involved in creating systems that are safe and affordable for general industry. That is our focus. And one of the big keys of our, our company is that uh, we're creating these solutions in a production environment. Like most of our customers, um, we all of us that are integrating, building, designing and putting the system together, all of us grew up and have uh, evolved our careers being the people operating these systems. We've been in the shoes of actually using these systems. We've ran them. And so we understand what it's like to have to use it. So we build them how we would want to use it. And from the experiences that we've had in our production environment and now over to our experience that we've gone through with our systems in bringing these general industry uh, robotic systems to to our customers. So I just want to make sure that uh, we are we are passionately involved in making sure that these are going to work and they really are for can be for everyone. And when we when we're able to put them in, it's really an, an amazing thing. Uh, some of our customers that we put in that we've seen put them in, we they gain the robot became an extension of themselves. And the game time, and we systematically are working with them to be able to use that time that they gain to make their system better, to improve their operation and their processes. And we've seen people that are passionate about what they do, proud of the work that they do, but scared of how they're going to be able to keep to do it. Uh, they they know that they're that they're getting tired. The so guys say, I'm get tired. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I love what I do. I don't know if I can do something like this. And they come in, they come in skeptical about whether they can even do it. And we work with them. Because we did the same thing. So we show them how to use them. We work through our in our test lab and integration center. We work through showing them how to use the robots, how how to teach them, how you can use it with your environment and how to overcome the challenges that they came thinking that they have. And so by the time they're done and they leave what we've seen every single one of our customers, the biggest concern that they have when they leave is from our training at our facility before we go install at their at their company is what they're going to name their robot. I mean, that's their, that's usually their biggest concern because we name all of our robots after pop culture movies, um, or comic books. And, um, and so, and we've got action figures now of them. So they, everyone really likes that. So they're like, so there's a big debate as always, what they're going to name their robot, which is a huge step forward from. Uh, this isn't for me. My hands are in my pocket. I'm kind of half looking away. And this is... Uh, they're nervous, scared, or they don't think that this is going to work. Mm-hmm. And um, once they get in, they grab on it. Like you said, when you got it, you go in there and touch it and feel it and play with it. And we run production parts in our facility. And So, when time they leave, they can run production parts. They can enter parts in it. And they're able to run production in our environment before they ever leave. Uh, so, when they leave worrying about what, what their, their robot's going to be and they're debating over names to be able to take back, I call that a big success.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, what I appreciate from these podcast episodes that we've done and getting to hear more about your story is that I, I know that uh, that you guys at De have are, are so passionate about moving forward and uh, embracing change, embracing uh, modernization, embracing new technology and new ways of doing things, and then also paving the path so that others can do the same thing. And I've, I've absolutely loved getting to hear these stories and, and to hear a little bit more about how you were able to do that, because it, it also then shares information so that other people can do the same thing and i think that that's uh, a really incredible thing that you guys are, are doing at the and it's always really great to to learn more about and so uh it, it's always fun getting a chance to uh, to chat with you about these things derek
1: well thank you tyler we are just really excited about what the future holds for north america general industry manufacturers um the automation solutions that we're creating less usa brings to the finishing industry is really gonna be game-changing for everybody. It brings about a whole new shift, a mindset of what's possible. And if we work together and we talk about this, we can we can really create something special uh, for, our, for our, our teams of our companies and to help just our whole country move
0: forward. Absolutely. Derek Geest, president of Deguiste Corporation and Lesta USA. Derek, thanks for joining me here once again on Manufacturing a Stronger Standard, the second episode in our series focusing on regulations. Derek, thanks again.
1: Thank you, Tyler.
0: And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Manufacturing a Stronger Standard. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to stay up to date with everything the Geest is doing in the world of manufacturing, how they're modernizing, get Derek's Thought Leadership on each and every podcast. Uh, We have a number of previous episodes we've already recorded, so if you've missed any of those, make sure to go back and check out those episodes as well. And of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes of the podcast, but until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.